Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2. This morning, Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2. In this world in which we live, when something happens that it has a worldwide impact, it usually makes the headlines and stays in the headlines for an extended period. But when Christ was born into this world, there were no newspapers, no radios, no computers, no internet, no televisions. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't a stir around back during that time. As the very Son of God, we know that Jesus began to make an impact beginning with His very conception and His birth. And it continued through His earthly life and ministry as well as through His death, His burial, His resurrection, and His ascension. And, and it continues even today as He is there at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. An impact like no other life has made an impact. I want us to see some happenings relative to the birth of Christ today. As we, as we begin in Luke chapter number 2 and, and we look at verse number 1, let's just be, begin by reading verses 1 through 5 here. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all it to be taxed, every one into his own city, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And we'll leave off reading there, but we see the fulfillment of prophecy prepared here. In verses 1 through 5, we see that God used a heathen emperor of the huge Roman Empire to prepare for the prophesied birth of Christ. So how so? Well, you know, it's doubtful that Caesar Augustus had ever heard of any of the prophecies that related to Christ's birth. Nevertheless, God moved Caesar Augustus's heart to order a census in his kingdom in order to ensure that the prophecy of Micah 5 and verse number 2 relating to the Messiah being born in Bethlehem, would be fulfilled. Otherwise, he'd been born in Nazareth. But the prophecy said he was going to be born in Bethlehem. And God used the heathen king, moved upon his heart to do this very thing, so that his son would be born in Bethlehem and thus fulfill Scripture. Understand that because Joseph was of the house and lineage of David, He was required by this decree to leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem, the hometown of his family, to register. Understand, too, that the timing of Augustus' order coincided with Joseph and Mary having to travel to Bethlehem just at the time when Mary is about to be delivered. You talk about being inconvenient, right? You ladies who have carried children, born children, you know, it wasn't easy to travel when you were there in those uh, late stages. Can you imagine if you were traveling the way that they traveled back during Jesus' time, by either camel or by, by donkey? I mean, it's just a, it had to be very difficult to travel. But it's not a coincidence that it was at that time. When God puts it on the heart of an individual to do something, they will do it. And when God plans for something to happen, listen, it will happen on His timetable, and no matter how impossible it may appear to men, it's going to happen. 
Isaiah 46, verse number 11 says, Yea, I have spoken it, says the Lord. said, I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. And we see a very clear example of that here in Luke chapter number 2 in the first five verses. Now, if at the prompt of God, Caesar Augustus unwittingly caused the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, to be in Bethlehem, how much do you think God can accomplish in the hearts of people today, despite some very difficult and sometimes seemingly impossible situations? We look at the things that are happening in our world today, and we get troubled, don't we? Well, there was, there was troubled hearts back during that time as well. John chapter number 14, though, tells us that, uh, you know, God will work, he can work to solve any problem and influence the, the hearts of men for the good and the right. But we might ask, why doesn't he do more? Have you, have you ever thought that he might be just be waiting for us to ask? Might just be waiting on us to ask? John 14, verse 13 and 14 says this, Whatsoever you shall ask my name, that will I do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If he shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. God is capable of doing great things. We know that, don't we? We know that. And, but he decided to act, and he decides to act quite often in answer to the prayers of his children. And when he does that, he gets the glory out of it. So we see the fulfillment of prophecy prepared. Now notice in verse 6 and 7, we see the birth of, of the Savior proclaimed here. Verse 6, And so it was that while they were there, in Bethlehem talking about, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now realize that Joseph and Mary were not the only ones traveling. Everybody that had their lineage through Bethlehem, had to travel to Bethlehem for this taxing or this census or whatever you want to call it that was taking place. They had to go register. And it was a busy time. And, and not all this, uh, you know, that was, it's not all that strange that at times such as this, the local inn would be full and have no vacancy. I remember many times being on the road traveling and uh, you traveling during a time when it was really busy and you didn't make reservations and you, when you looked at the sign, the old timey signs of, of the motels, you were looking uh, to make sure that no vacancy sign wasn't turned on. You wanted to just say vacancy. So it's apparent that they were directed out to a stable. I say it's apparent because Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes, which were long pieces of, of cloth wrapped fairly tightly around the child. And it was laid in a manger, which was just a common animal feeding trough. Now, this was a very humble beginning on earth for the one who is the Son of God. Think about it. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the very God in the flesh. And by the way, the, he's the, the bread of life and uh, the word Bethlehem means house of bread. Isn't that interesting? John 6 and verse 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. How appropriate it is that the one who is the bread of life was born at Bethlehem, the house of bread. Notice verse number 8. 
So then they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, outside of the city of Bethlehem, a group of shepherds, common people. Shepherds were common people. They were considered low in social status. That's who the announcement came to first. Think about it. To those shepherds came that first public announcement of the birth of Christ. And how fitting that the birth of Jesus, who was the good shepherd, he mentioned that in John 10, 11, he's, he's the good shepherd, it was first announced to other shepherds. And he's also the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, according to John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist pointed to him twice and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the other time he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world there in the early part of John's Gospel. The birth of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would give his life as a sacrifice, was announced to shepherds who quite possibly were watching over sheep who were destined for sacrifice at the temple. Think about it. They were destined for sacrifice at the temple. Look at verse 9 and 10. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now most of us, when we have received good news, we find it hard to remain silent, don't we? We like to share that good news with others. No matter how, what the source is of that good news, we have a tendency to want to share it. And God is like that too. You know, He had some good news to share. He had sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world. There was good news to tell about the birth of His Son. And so He sent His angel to share it with these lowly shepherds, those who would be considered the most common and low in social status of folks in their day. Now, when the angel appeared, it says here that these shepherds were sore afraid. What do you think about it? Think about just, you know, you're not, we, we think that uh, uh, maybe seeing shepherds was kind of common back during that day, but it wasn't. It wasn't that common. Can you imagine you're doing your shepherdly duties? You're out there taking, taking care of your sheep, and then all of a sudden, boom. Here's this glorious sight. Uh, the uh, uh, you know he's full of God's glory, uh, and he appears to you in the blinding brightness of God's glory, uh, saying, "Fear not." When the angel appeared, they were sore afraid. We would have been too if Jesus appeared to us in such a manner. So, fear not was a proper encouragement for them. When God does something great, we often fear because maybe we don't understand it. And immediately they didn't understand what was going on. I mean, the announcement was made to them, but it was kind of like, oh, shock factor. <laughs> you know, uh, scared to death. So fear not was a proper encouragement. This, uh, when God does something uh, great, he wants us to, to fear not, though. This was not a time to fear, but rather a time for good tidings, a great joy. These shepherds had a reason to rejoice. Amen? Amen. And we have a reason to rejoice too Amen. because of what happened that day. 
Uh, the good tidings of great joy were not just for these shepherds. It wasn't just for the Jews. It was for all people. Notice that there, what he says. Unto you is born, it says verse number 10, excuse me, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people means all people. All means all, and that's all that all means. It was good tidings of great joy for all people because this Savior came to give his life a ransom for all people. All of us are sinners. We came into this world the same way, in need of a Savior. Christ came to die for all, no matter what one's background is. Verse number 11 Unto you, I like what it says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They, now, had he just said that you know the, a Savior is being born, they might have thought, well, that might be okay for the uppity folks. It may, might be okay for the, for the Pharisees and for the, the upper-level Jews in society, but in the, you know, for us shepherds, what, what is there ever for us? But the announcement got personal here. Unto you. And I want you to know this morning that Christ came to die for all, no matter what your background is. Notice that this babe of Bethlehem is described in three ways here. There in verse number 11. First of all, he is Savior. The city of David, a Savior. A Savior. And as I said, we're all sinners. Our sins make us unfit for heaven. Our sins make us candidates for eternal judgment from a righteous and holy God. We know that. But Jesus came to be our Savior, our substitute, the one who took the punishment that we deserve. Think about it. Jesus took our punishment. Our sins had to be punished. And they were punished in God's only Son. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 21 says, For He, speaking of God, hath made him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, the perfect sinless Son of God, had no sin, because he's born of a virgin, by the way. Being born of a virgin allowed him to be, not have Adam's sin nature. But he knew no sin. He took our sin was punished for it that we might take his righteousness. God gave us his righteousness when we believe on him as our personal Savior. He's not only Savior, but we see, second of all, he is Christ, which is Christ the Lord. Christ, uh, those of you that were with us Wednesday night, we, we mentioned this Wednesday in our introduction to uh, what we're taking a look at there, but uh, Christ is, means he's the anointed one. Christ, anointed one, Messiah, it's all the same. All of those things mean the same. He's Israel's Messiah, but he's also the Messiah of the world. This was a a tremendous promise that God fulfilled. Israel had been waiting for this deliverer, God's chosen ones. And he provided for deliverance from sin the first time that he came, and He's coming again, and he will deliver Israel as a nation when he returns to the earth at the end of the tribulation period to establish his earthly kingdom. And make no mistake, that is going to take place. How do you know? His first coming was prophesied. It took place just as it was prophesied. 
Come Wednesday night, we'll show you the details. Uh, but it was it took place just like it was prophesied. And the, the second coming, when he comes to set up his earthly kingdom, it's going to happen the same way, just as it was prophesied. He is Savior. He is Christ. Also, we see there the word Lord. He is Lord. Lord, it's... As Lord, that means that Jesus is the head. We might say he's the head honcho. He he's, means he's the boss. He means he's the one who calls the shots. He has control over everything. Amen. As Lord Jesus, he has every right to tell us what to do. John 13, verse 13, said, he's told a bunch there. He says, you call me master and Lord. And you say, well, for so am I. told his disciples that. But he told a group of Jews in Luke 6, 46, he says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Now, I've said this before, you know, a lot of folks, when they hear Lord Jesus Christ, they get confused. They think it's like, you know, I, I've got three names, Jerry Nelson Thrower. That's, it wasn't Lord Jesus Christ as his name. Lord is his title. It means what he is. <laughs> He's the Lord. the Lord of all. Lord over all. And the Christ means that he is it's a title also meaning that he is the promised Messiah. His name is Jesus. Okay? Jesus. Now, <clears throat> um, in our heads we know that Jesus is Lord. In our heads, we know that every knee is going to bow to Jesus. We know that from Scripture, Philippians 2, verse 10 and 11, says that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's going to happen. You're either going to call Jesus Lord here, are you going to call him Lord there when it will be too late? Listen, if we're not truly recognizing that Jesus is Lord in our hearts, then that's a, a tragedy in our lives. And we're not recognizing him as Lord unless we do what he says, so unless we are obedient to him. We can call Jesus Lord all we want to, but unless we are obeying him, we are not giving him his rightful place as Lord. He wants to call the shots in our life. He wants us to be obedient to him. Look at verse 12 through verse 14 here. The verse 12. And this sign shall and this shall be the sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now the angel told the shepherds where to find Jesus. Then a multitude of angels appeared to give glory to God at the birth of his son. If anyone understood what Jesus was leaving in heaven, in order to come to earth, what he was coming to earth for. I mean, the angels were the ones that understood that. These angels understood who Jesus is. And these angels understood the great sacrifice that was made on the part of Jesus and on the part of God the Father in order for him to come to earth as our Savior. 
He set aside his heavenly robe, his kingly, kingly robe, and humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. These angels understood how much praise God was worthy of. And listen, if angels understand what God has done for us and praise Him for it, how much should we? So we see the fulfillment of prophecy prepared. We see the birth of the Savior proclaimed. And then thirdly, we see the visit by the shepherds. They went to see Jesus. Verse number 15 to 16. Look at verse 15 to 16. It came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When the shepherds heard these good tidings of the Angels, they did something about it. Finding Jesus was important enough for these shepherds to leave what they were doing and seek him out. Note verse 15 says that they said to each other, let us go now. <laughs> and they said, well, you know, we can, we can wait on this. They said, let us go now. They wanted to see for themselves what the angels had proclaimed. This was important enough to them to drop everything and find Jesus. Note verse 16 says they, they came with haste. They didn't drag their feet. They didn't fool around. They were intent on finding Jesus. Think about it. If they had waited, Joseph and Mary might have left and gone somewhere else with Jesus. And if that had happened, they might have missed a golden opportunity to come to see Jesus. Note verse 16 also says that they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They found what they were looking for. Amen? Amen. They found what they were looking for. Verse 17. So when they had seen it, they mean known abroad the saying which is told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. When the shepherds found Jesus... Look at what it says they did there in verse 17. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They became witnesses. After they met Jesus, after they found Jesus, they became witnesses and told others. They caused folks to stop and think about what they were saying according to verse number 18. All that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Can you imagine if you heard the story? Might seem a little far fetched, though. It's like these guys are pretty excited. You could tell it must have been real. You could tell it was real. They gave Mary also something to think about there in verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them 
in her heart. She she heard of the heard the shepherds talk about how Jesus was announced to them and, and their reaction of, of coming to find Jesus and gave her something to think about, to ponder on. And verse 20 says that they returned to their work as shepherds. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard. So we see the reaction of the shepherds to the good news that was presented them. It was fourfold. They received it. They received the news. They responded to it. Responded to the news. They revealed it to others. One that they found for themselves. They revealed it to others. And number four, they rejoiced in it. Listen to me. You've received the gospel. The gospel is very simple. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. He did that. So that we might have salvation. Bethlehem came with Calvary in mind. He came looking to Calvary. Because Calvary was where He purchased our salvation. You've received the Gospel. Have you responded to it? If not, do so today. And say, well, I can do it later. may not have a later. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the accepted time. Today's all we have. None of us can say that we have anything other than the present that we're here. We may not have another heartbeat. If you have received the gospel... Are you revealing it to others? This great news, this good news that you've received and found Jesus? Are you rejoicing in it? Others ought to be able to see how much Jesus means to you. Amen? Let's pray. Father.